Hello, hello. I was recently listening to a podcast by Tim Ferriss, and uh, if nobody knows who Tim Ferriss is, he's a renowned author, New York Times bestseller multiple times, I believe. Uh, one of the books that I first read from him was called The 4-Hour Work Week, where he kind of explains how you can use entrepreneurship and a business, uh, be able to scale it, run it remotely, or have somebody else manage it so you can live like the rich or what he calls the newly rich. So not people that sit on you know, trust funds or millions of dollars in the bank, but have reoccurring revenue where they can basically live the lifestyle of somebody who is rich. Uh, but anyway, on the podcast itself, he had on a guy named uh, Danny Meyer, and uh, they were out in Japan taking a week-long trip, I believe, uh, and they were skiing out there, backpack, uh, backcountry skiing, and it really made me think of an analogy that business and starting a business is like skiing uphill. It's just grueling and slow and methodical and you know where you want to go you know you need to get up over the peak so you can ski down the backside um and you think you know your path but halfway up the mountain if you don't have a guide to bring you you might run into a cliff or something and then have to detour and take a longer route around uh, but it's not over when you get to the peak either once you get to the peak there's other challenges that come in so as you start building momentum you know in this you know, hypothetical situation in your business, you start gaining speed. And as you gain speed, things come at you faster. So you're going to have to maneuver and turn, or maybe even sometimes check your speed and slow yourself down. Uh, this might mean turning down deals. Um, this might mean having to change your business uh, style and philosophies and procedures so you can handle the growth. Uh, if not, there's still dangers. Even though it's not as difficult to go down, uh, it's just as dangerous to grow a business too fast. Uh, you could end up you know, hitting a tree and killing the business. Uh, so this is something that kind of made me think about because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs uh, that are trying to do the wrong things at the wrong times in their business. And these are all good concepts to have, but they're trying to put them in and implement them at the wrong stages of their business. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. So uh, stick with me here through the little intro and I'll see you on the other side. Hey fellow entrepreneurs, this podcast is dedicated to small business owners who are willing to make the changes to their company in order to build a seven-figured foundation and reach their own vision of success. I'm your host and business coach, David Jones, here to take my 20 years experience launching companies and coaching small businesses, put them into words so you can easily implement strategies that can 2x your profits. Let's get started. All right, so let's get started here. So first of all, let me just uh, identify the couple different groups that we'll talk about here. We're going to talk about like a startup company, which I would lump in anything from a pre-revenue organization, anything to that's been operating for one or two years, but primarily is still run by the original owner or owners uh, and really hasn't scaled much from that point. Uh, versus another company that, you know, has been around, probably hired some employees at this point, might be in more than one location, uh, but definitely has started to, to scale itself and 
start to get revenue and have to build the team just to support the new business. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of break them up into those two different categories. But I want to start off by saying that uh, a lot of times when I work with people that want to start, you know, young entrepreneurs that want to start a business, one of the biggest things that sets them back is they want to buy everything before they even get started testing their business model. And it's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I see with even, you know, either pre-revenue or just startup companies uh, do is, you know, they don't really think outside the box of how else can they start to grow their business without investing a ton of startup capital. Um, and, and a ton could be, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a general term just to say a lot for them. It, it could be $5,000, could be 5 million, doesn't matter, but it's, you know, it would be a lot to them anyway. So I'll give an example that I had a, a young couple that wanted to start a t-shirt uh, printing business. And I think they had this idea for more than a year before they got put in front of me. And they, what they were looking for specifically was to find a grant so they didn't have to pay back the money that would pay for the screen printing press itself, uh, which I, I think cost about 15000 or so, <clears throat> excuse me, if my memory serves me. Um, and because they couldn't find a grant that, you know, could purchase that for them, they'd never even started their business. Um, whereas, you know, my daughter, who's a, you know, she was young at the, I think she was 12 at the time. And, uh, you know, she's a really good artist and she wanted to, to be able to sell her art somehow. So at the time, those little pop socket things were big, those things on the back of the, the phones. And, um, so what we did is we just uploaded her artwork into Amazon merchant services and used them as our third party manufacturer and distributor. And she would go out there and try to sell her art design for pop sockets, and she'd just get a little piece of the commission going through. Uh, but it's a good way to test a model to see if anybody wants your product or not, uh, especially if you're talking designs or something like that. But, you know, there was really no startup cost to us at all. Um, yes, she, you know, didn't have huge margins. I think on the $12 pop socket, she made, you know, three or four bucks for it. But nonetheless, uh, there wasn't any risk to it. So it was a good way to test to see if there was a demand for her product out there. And that was really the lesson that I was trying to teach her. And the same thing that I was trying to explain to that young couple was, you know, listen, instead of either investing, you know, your own capital or taking out a loan to see if people are willing to buy your product, use a third-party service that can print it and ship it for you. Yes, you're you're going to lose your margins, but it's when you're starting a business, it's not about your margins and standard operating procedures and stuff like that. It's to see if there's a demand for your product or service while you're out there uh, to start to test your different business and sales strategies to test your marketing strategies. Uh, it's all about initial growth and thinking outside the box. Uh, but so many times startup companies invest too much in the beginning and it really, it really stunts their growth. And I'll, I'll give you another example of myself um, when I was looking to start my coffee delivery service. And uh, if you didn't hear the first episode, uh, uh, basically, I, I started a coffee delivery service that was a B2B service. It was meant to deliver a freshly brewed cup of coffee, coffee, either hot or iced, directly to people while they were still at work so they didn't have to go out and do a coffee run at any point during the day. So just like you would order a pizza or something, uh, I wanted to start a company where you could order coffee online or over the phone and it would be delivered to you within 30 minutes, uh, kind of like the Domino's model there. 
um, to whatever your standard was, um, you know, cream, sugar, sweeteners, whatever, um, whatever your custom order was. But there wasn't a product like this that existed at the time. This is back in like 2011. Um, so I had to test that model and I knew I didn't want to sink a ton of cash into it because everything was unproven and there's no way a bank was going to lend me any money. Cause again, you know, I, I had no real sales to go off to show that this is an investable, um, business model. So I found a Dunkin' Donuts that was remodeling and they were getting rid of their old equipment at pennies on the dollar, you know, really good equipment still worked well. They were just, uh, going to upgrade with the remodel. And I got, you know, for a few hundred dollars, I got all the equipment that I needed to start a coffee company. Um, so really low investment. And I was even able to run it out of my uh, house too. There was permitting where you could, uh, take coffee because it's a non-perishable good, uh, and be able to, to brew it and manufacture it in your home and sell it. So again, kept the cost down, just trying to think outside the box. So it's, it's things like that, that, you know, startups really have to kind of work with to get their company started and grown before worrying about, again, sinking capital, uh, or things like that. Um, but I will say that a mistake that I did make at that time is I figured it would be smart to purchase some, uh, and by some, I mean like a hundred t-shirts, uh, with my logo and slogan on them and everything and figure people were going to buy these things. And not only would I make revenue from them buying my t-shirts, even though that had nothing to do with my business itself, I'm not a a t-shirt manufacturer or merchant. Um, I thought I could make revenue and market at the same time. I thought it was smart, right? But uh, the stupid thing was that I decided to buy the full 100 plus, whatever it was to get the price discount break uh, at, at that amount. And to make like an extra dollar or so a shirt, I think it was, I had to sink like an extra $500 into the, into the investment itself <clears throat> in order to purchase all those shirts and manufacture them ahead of time, which hindsight was completely dumb. Uh, I essentially just tied up capital that I really needed to start and grow the business. So I had to, you know, go back and fight a little bit harder to come up with that cash to help myself grow and think more outside the box. But, you know, it's little things like that. I shouldn't have been worried about shirt margins at that time, because what does it matter if I make a dollar less a shirt? One, that's not my primary business model. You know, I really should have been focusing on, you know, is this my mission and is this going to get me to my goal as opposed to saying how many different revenue streams can I have? So, um, because, you know, even if I only sold, even if I only got 10 shirts and even if I broke even on them, it still would have covered the marketing expense. So to think that I should have, you know, forked out that kind of money ahead of time, uh, to save a dollar on margin was completely dumb. So, you know, just little things like that. Um, and uh, the other thing too, so like my uh, logistics uh, company, so this is the company that delivers craft beer, wine, and spirits uh, directly. It's it's like an e-commerce uh, SaaS program software that it goes through, but essentially it um, was a service to where, think of what, you know, Amazon did to consumer product goods is what we wanted to do to the alcohol industry where a, a retailer, be it a bar, restaurant, um, you know, liquor store, something like that, instead of going through sales reps who took a huge cut or distributors, um, they could just go online, get the products directly from the manufacturers, the small town brewers, um, and, you know, vintners and people that made the alcohol and order it direct from them. And we were just the third party delivery. 
So what we did when we were launching into a new territory, which all territories were new to us, um, until we had the route built up to be profitable, instead of buying a truck that the size trucks that you need to make these deliveries, you know, uh, are huge box trucks. And, you know, if you wanted to lease one or buy one, you're, you're talking three to $5,000 a month anyway, uh, in cost and expenses. Uh, and if we were going to do that every time we wanted to launch into a new territory, uh, we, we didn't have the startup capital. We were bootstrapped. Uh, to do that. So what we had to do was say, hey, let's just plan all of our sales routes for, you know, the one or two delivery days that month really is what it came down to. And just rent the truck for those one or two days, which cost me about $200 each time, you know, and everything was fully, you know, licensed and insured to do that. And then we were able to make the deliveries that way until we built up the route to where it was profitable. And then we could invest in a truck for that area. But, you know, things like that is what you have to do to, uh, you know, bootstrap and get your company going. Um, so let's, uh, let's kind of flip that a little bit here and start talking about, you know, when companies are looking to grow. Um, this is when, you know, again, a company is probably started by a founder, founders group of people, small group, um, and started adding employees throughout the time. And one of the biggest issues I see when companies start to grow, um, through success, which is great, but a lot of times the owners, because they wear so many hats in the beginning, they never end up delegating that responsibility. They, they never put what's in their brain down on paper so they can teach it to someone and have some sort of manual, you know, operating procedure where that employee could go back and reference to without having to bother the, the original owner or managers. Um, and then the other huge issue is that if an owner is a micromanager, uh, it just handcuffs the business to grow because if you're going to micromanage every piece of your business, you can't grow. You need to let go. And does that mean you might have to let an employee make a mistake? Yeah, that's that's part of the learning game. But um, you know, the most important thing is try to hire the right people with the right mindset that believe in your mission and hire them in the beginning. Train them as well as you can and give them a little bit of rope uh, to learn. And then, you know, if there is a setback or mistake or something like that, uh, hopefully you have enough oversight to where it wouldn't be critical. I'm not saying don't, you know, oversee and manage your people, but, you know, make sure that, you know, you give them a little bit of that leniency because they might come up with great ideas um, that you weren't thinking of that could streamline or improve the business uh, or the margins or something like that. But nonetheless, they're not going to learn if you don't give them a little bit of space to grow uh, and then use that if they do make a mistake as a teaching moment. So uh, that's one of the huge things that I see all the time in businesses that are really starting to scale. And these could be businesses in the, you know, multi-million dollars, 10, $20 million range that still have this issue um, and are just, you know, again, uh, handcuffed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so th that's definitely one thing right there. Um, and the other thing that I'd say is, uh, you know, don't hold back on growing your business because you don't have it all figured out either. Um, you know, you can always figure out how to improve your margins later. And that's, that's what existing companies should be constantly doing. Uh, existing companies that are growing should continuously look back at this themselves and say, how can I improve this? How can I improve these margins? How can I improve these costs? Um, I, I think probably one of my next podcast here will be about, you know, you know, looking at cost, cost reduction and things like that. But it's a continuous thing. And it's uh, one of the biggest mistakes that I see 
existing businesses that are growing make is, you know, they get on with a vendor or supplier and they never look back. Um, they, they don't look to see what the market actually would bear for that product or service. Uh, they just continue to go on and, um, you know, that don't think to possibly streamline things or improve things. Uh, they just focus on revenue, 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 when they really need to be focusing on that point. It's how, how much more profitable is this going to make us? Is this going to let us use our economies of scale, which is just kind of a fancier term for, you know, saying, is there anything that we're already doing or already own that this new, you know, expansion, you know, service market, whatever that you're going to move into, um, would benefit from where the cost wouldn't be as much as it is right now, because now we're spreading it, you know, through more territories or more people. Uh, so, you know, things like that, that economies of scale is huge when you're looking to grow. So as you're making business decisions, you should really say, you know, does, does this fit within something that we already have as an asset, uh, whether it's a piece of equipment, technology, whatever the case. So things to think of there. Uh, and the other thing is like marketing uh, is huge. Uh, a lot of times companies get started and then they never really hammer down on their marketing. Uh, you know, they think that like these, these marketing agencies out there that they're just these brilliant minds, which, you know, some people are brilliant out there, but even the best marketing agencies out there, um, there's no real secret sauce. They think that, you know, a lot of businesses think that you come up with one killer script or one killer, uh, you know, tag or something like that. And one good picture. And that is what you, you know, what you start selling is that one picture, that one slogan, um, and, and just go out there. But really, I mean, these marketing agencies, what they do is it's just trial and error, AB testing. Uh, they actually, it's more than AB it's ABZ, you know, times 20. And, uh, you know, they go out there and they try, 20 different variations of, you know, um, you know, some sort of sales pitch. They, they do, you know, 30, 40, 50, a hundred different photos, um, in order to attract the people, uh, and stuff like that to see what's working best. It's, it's all about volume and larger companies, unfortunately, just don't take the time to do this when this is what they should do. Uh, if you're a larger company, you should know what your sales margins are, what your metrics are. You should know exactly by saying, if I hire another salesperson, I can grow by X amount of revenue, which means X amount of profit, you know, or by saying that I understand my marketing dollars so well and our marketing strategy so well that I know that if I put in for every dollar I put in, I get a dollar seventy five back in revenue. That's what a company growing should know as far as metrics. Uh, early on startup companies, you're not going to know that stuff. Uh, it takes a long time to build that stuff. Yes. Yeah, should you always look at it? Should you always improve it? Sure. Uh, but initially, just when you're starting out, think about the growth there. Uh, so, yeah, so kind of just a recap here. So if, if you're early on, if you're a startup, either pre-revenue in your first couple of years, no real employees, you know, you should really be testing your sales model, uh, testing different strategies, uh, starting to learn what those objections are and uh, build your marketing materials around those objections to answer them first before someone can even actually say them to you. Um, figure out your marketing models. Again, you know, how much you know, a lot of startup companies ask, you know, how much should I spend on marketing? You know, you should get your marketing to the point where it makes money. So for whatever you put into it, you're going to get more than that back. So the answer is all of it, all the money you have, you should spend on marketing if you can handle the growth itself. 
Um, you should really be thinking about, you know, things outside the box. How can you do this differently? How can you do this more efficiently, more economically? How can you do it to give you, you know, leverage over your competitors? Um, starting to form alliances and joint ventures. This is again, one of the, one of the few things that I do when I first start working with a client. Um, and it's going to be one of our next few podcasts, I think, cause it, it's pretty important. So I want to bring that up, but alliances and joint ventures, starting them early and getting them going. Cause they take time, uh, working on the low hanging fruit. Uh, but don't confuse that with chasing shiny objects or shiny pennies, as some people say, you know, um, low hanging fruit means just the easiest, most simple thing that's out there for you to grab that fits one within your mission and two gets you closer to your goal. So it has to fit that criteria too. So I'm not just saying take anything and everything out there to make a dollar. Like I tried to do with the t-shirts, you know, only take things that will focus on getting you to your goal and support your mission itself. Uh, and don't rely on your website to generate sales. Yes, of course, that's what everybody thinks it's designed for. And everybody thinks that if you spend money on SEO, then all of a sudden these leads are going to come in and, uh, you're going to have more business than you can handle. But, you know, building a website is like driving to the middle of the ocean in a boat and dropping a small hook down with no bait on it. Uh, you're literally just in a sea of nothingness. Um, and that's basically as good as your website is, If, regardless how good your SEO is. Unless you're out there actually actively marketing and managing your inbound outbound marketing strategies and going out there, the website itself doesn't do anything. So don't rely on that. Um, you know, a lot of people now are just using like landing, landing pages uh, or sales funnels, like through ClickFunnels or something like that. Uh, to drive traffic and getting away from websites altogether. Uh, I actually think that I'm going to be ditching my website here in the next couple of months because all it does is uh, generate false leads that I have to go sifting through as opposed to when I actively market, uh, I get much more quality leads. So uh, so that's one thing there. So just uh, you know, focus on your outbound marketing approach. Uh, try to get your message out there. Get them to drive to a specific area. Um, and, and work on those alliances and joint ventures. And uh, again, for, for growing companies that are expanding, make sure you're working your referrals. Uh, you have existing customers. Make sure that you have some sort of strategy to leverage that. Uh, it's a key to almost any business out there is the referral base. And it could be as simple as just getting testimonials and putting them on your website now that you have a decent amount of traffic and people know who you are because you have a brand. Um, you know, or, or putting them out there or, you know, designing some sort of referral program, um, where you can actually, you know, have some sort of reward for people turning in referrals to you, but you definitely need a referral program, know your metrics, know your sales metrics, know how many, you know, leads it takes to put in the top of the funnel and know exactly what it comes out. Know what your customer acquisition cost is, um, know the lifetime value of your customer, that's the other thing. And yes, this is when you want to start building your standard operating procedures. You know your business inside and out. You know your your softwares. You know your strategy. You know how your team works. You should have something written down to where other employees can follow it. Follow it. Uh, this is how you can scale. This is how you can grow. Uh, a lot of mistakes when I work with a company and they say, hey, I have one you know, one location doing well, I want to open a second one, but they don't have their procedures written out. It's like, well, can you be in two places at once? Then how do you expect to open two places at once? You need to be able to nail it, <laughs> figure out exactly what you need to do, 
put it down, you know, in some sort of form, paper, whatever, training videos, and then be able to teach it. Does that mean you're done managing? Of course not. You're always going to have to manage people and oversee people, but that's the only way that you're going to grow is to have those procedures built out. Uh, it just, you really can't grow well without it at least. Uh, and keep going back and trimming the fat, stay as lean as possible. Uh, don't just assume that just because you have a supplier that that's a supplier you're going to have for the rest of you, you know, the time you're there, uh, just because you have a procedure in place doesn't mean that that's the best way to, you know, for that particular, um, part of your business to operate, go back and keep looking say, how can I improve this? How can I streamline this? How can I make it more profitable? Uh, and ask for, ask for ideas from your employees. Your employees are your best source for ideas that are out there. Cause they're the boots on the ground doing the thing every day. Just give them a chance. Um, I used to offer um, bonus programs for people that came in and would give ideas. And if the company implemented them, then there'd, there'd be some sort of reward for it. You know, And even if it's not a cash reward, you can offer days off or something like that as an incentive. Uh, and again, just hire well. Hire the right people in the beginning. Uh, even if you have to spend a little bit more, um, get the right person and not just the right skill, the right fit, uh, for the company, make sure that they believe in your mission, make sure they believe in your goals, make sure they eat, sleep and breathe, you, you know, your company, uh, those are your best employees. Those are your best salespeople, even if they're not in sales. Um, they're the ones that are going to help you out. Uh, you know, let go a little bit, stop micromanaging, uh, trust a little bit, give them a little bit of play, see what they'll do, still oversee them, uh, but give them little projects, test them out. Uh, so like I said, just give them a chance. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode. I do want to let everybody know that uh, I'm excited. I'm going to be finishing up my version 2.0 of my e-learning platform here. Uh, much more in-depth content that I've been creating and working on, uh, very labor-intensive and time-staking. Uh, but the good news is what I'm going to do for actually through the month of May 2023 here, uh, I'll be reducing the cost for my e-learning platform, which pretty much I, I say that it's better than getting your MBA, uh, honestly. Uh, what I've done is the e-learning platform that I have is a weekly email series with audio that comes out as well as a workbook uh, to go through and really take you step by step on how to grow the profitability in your business. I have this design to where it should generate at least 15 to 25% improvement on your profit. Uh, it does come with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Uh, so after the first couple of months, if you don't like it at all, happy to give you your money back if you don't think it's going to provide that sort of value to you. Uh, but it's really easy to do. Normally, it's $9.97 to sign up. I'm going to drop that down to $4.99 uh, through the month of May uh, for this version 1.0. And if uh, anybody's interested, just uh, f click on the link below to my LinkedIn. Uh, it'll be down there in the notes. And uh, just let me know that you want it. Uh, other than that, you can shoot me an email as well. Simply david at 214consultants.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know that you want it uh, so I can set you up with that discount. Uh, but other than that, I should have the next 2.0 available in the next few months. Uh, it is going to be at a higher price point, so I want to give everybody a chance to get into the lower one here if they want. Uh, and the other great news, too, is that anything that you spend on any of my products, you can use as credit for any other product in the future. 
uh, that I have as well. So if you decide to do one of our boot camps or a one-on-one coaching session, uh, anything that you purchase from me, you can actually apply towards that cost as well. All right. Well, this is uh, your coach here, David Jones, saying here's to your vision of success. Take care, everyone.